Are you tired of spending your time and money chasing strategy after strategy only to discover what worked 10, 5, or even 2 years ago is not working now? Things shift fast in the online space, and if you're not keeping up, you're getting left behind. It's time for something different. Welcome to the Marketing, Media, and Money Podcast, where every single episode will be jam-packed with proven, profitable strategies, behind-the-scenes secrets, and what's working now resources. From industry experts and global influencers to help you scale your business, shorten your learning curve, and stand out in a crowded, noisy marketplace. And now, your host, award-winning marketing and media strategist and international speaker, Patty Farmer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Marketing Media Money Podcast. I'm your host, Patty Farmer, and I'm looking forward to sharing today's industry expert with you. And today we have quite the expert. She's been on the show before. I think this may actually be her third time. But today we're going to be talking about search and social, and we're going to be talking about Clubhouse. So we're going to talk about that whole intersection there and how, like she likes to say, integration is so key. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about her and then we're going to dive right in because we're going to have a lot of information we're going to share today. You're going to want to make sure that you have a pen and paper handy because believe me when I say she's going to give you some writer downers. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest. So Elaine Lindsay is known as the social optimization specialist kind of like your SOS, and works with savvy small business entrepreneurs that are 40 plus. As an early adopter and lifelong learner, she consistently analyzes the trends to provide the best scenarios for integrating and optimizing search, social media, video, podcast, audio, and more. Elaine believes integration is key and your mindset plus your website plus your social, plus SEO efforts must be congruent to signal the search engines your relevance online. This will enable you to better serve your audience, focus your social proof, and get found fast and first in the search results. So Elaine, thank you so much for being here with me today again. Thank you so much for having me, Patty. I'm thrilled to be back. I love it. I'm also super excited to be talking about sort of this mashup of search and social in terms of Clubhouse, because what they're now calling social audio, which is Clubhouse, there's also Twitter spaces, and there's more coming down the line, because we all know the minute a new social media platform comes out, and normally I call the platforms apps. But when a new one comes out, everybody rushes in to try and make one of their own. And in actual fact, that can only benefit us. Now, I'm not going to call us the users because we're not. We're cogs in the wheel. We're the little nuts and bolts, the widgets, if you will, of each and every social media app. So when you're on Facebook, you're part of the, the little wing nuts that proliferate through the 
app itself. And the users are actually the people that look at the ads, the people that buy things through the product. And it's important. I wanted to get that in everybody's mind because Clubhouse has come along and Clubhouse as a social audio app doesn't at the moment give you that option. There are no ads. There are, however, ways for you to be paid. So and we're going to talk about those. We oh, are going to get yes, into those, are. but we're going to backtrack a little bit first. So <laughs> before we dive in, you're like me. We always want to talk about how you're going to monetize it, right? So that's always so important to us, but we're going to get there. So let's backtrack a little bit. Sure. So as I said earlier, if you've been on the show a few times, right? You know, search and social has really been something that you're my go-to person for that. You know, also you have written for my magazine before. You were on the cover of my magazine a few issues ago. And now this year in 2021, you are now one of our columnists for the Marketing Media Money Magazine. So to say that I believe that she is an expert and maybe I would even go so far as to say she is the authority on search and social would probably be an understatement. So I want to kind of backtrack a little bit before we dive into Clubhouse, because I have to tell you, I really asked her if we could go into Clubhouse because I think it's super important. I have been reading about, you know, Twitter's version. Facebook is coming out with their own version as well. For me personally, I have to say I love social audio. I mean, my podcast is audio itself, but I love it just because right now, while we're all on Zoom all the time, it's just so nice sometimes now to be able to just do audio. And I feel like I was thinking about it last night while I was watching The Voice. And even though you're looking at everybody dancing and how they're positioning themselves and how they're presenting themselves to the audience, you know, some of the coaches on there are very quick to say this show is the voice, right? You know, and so that is really important and everything else just kind of sort of supports that, but it is about the voice. So really for me, social audio is really great. It is also about using your voice, right? But there are yeah. lots of other things that can support that and help you get paid. And we're going to go there, but let's backtrack a little bit. And let's talk a little bit about Elaine and why you should listen to her when she starts talking about all of these different things. So let's talk a little bit about that. So you have been in this social space for a while because I remember that when we very first met, I remember we had a conversation about Google Hangouts so, <laughs> and Google Plus. And I remember how back then, you even explained to me that whole thing about, you know, the hub and the wheel and how everything else really supports that. And I thought early on, it really made sense because even then with all the social platforms, everybody seemed to be wanting to send people to social instead of the obvious, which was really using all those channels to send it back to your website where it really was going to work for you. And that was part of getting found fast and first. So I really love that. So let's kind of really talk a little bit about how even still now, we may not have Google Plus anymore and Google Hangouts is no longer here, but 
what remains to be true is how every single thing we do, what it should support and what the priorities really should be. And then we can kind of dig deep. So can you just talk a little bit about that? Thank you so much. And I really love that that I'm getting to dive into integration, which for me is absolutely the crux of everything you do digitally. So I'm going to take you back a bit really quick. I built my first website in 1999. I had been online since the minute I could get internet because I just felt it was a way to connect. You know me, I'm incredibly curious. I want to know everything. So I built this website for a regional counselor, a politician, and everybody oohed and aahed. It was so beautiful. My background was in interior design, so I had that down pat. But the minute I was done, all I could think was, well, how are people going to see this? I did all this work. How are they going to see this? Unless we go tell them you go here and here. It just didn't make a great deal of sense to me. And that set me on the path looking for, well, how do you get that out there? And by 2002, 2003, I had found search engine optimization. And it was pretty early. There were white hat and black hat and gray hat. There was all kinds of people trying to get game the system and get past. But for me, I saw that, okay, if you have a website, that's like your house. Okay, that's your real estate. So, of course, you want to get people to go to your real estate. If I want to have a dinner party, I'm not sending them to the guy down the street. I'm not sending them to somebody else's house. I want them to come to my house. And for me, digitally, that made sense. So SEO, in the early stages, it was about using keywords. And that was it, using keywords. So if you had a keyword, God help you if it was a one-word keyword, because you got whatever was on the net at the time. And there were only, and this sounds crazy, but only millions of websites back in the early days, you know, 10, 20 million websites that not a big deal. We're now in the billions, so it's a long way from that. Fast forward, and in the mid-2000s, I basically got on Facebook in order to stalk my adult kids, and I saw right away that here was an opportunity for my clients. They could reach out and build a relationship with prospects and their customers and let people know what they were doing so they could drive them to their house, right? Their website. That always made sense to me. And it's, it's the way I think. And it's not, I don't think it's extraordinary in any way. It, it just was like a direct path. You know, I come from the days of like Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, follow the breadcrumbs. Well, funny enough, we have breadcrumbs on our websites. That's how you get back to where you were. And so bringing us way, way forward. When I met you, actually, I think just as I was getting into Google+, I got in on day three. And within a year of being on Google+, in 2011, we started hearing that Google was switching how they did search. 
search used to be Boolean. I talked about keywords, right? And you got a keyword and you went after that keyword or you, you pay per click for a keyword, all of that. Well, Google decided to switch to semantic, which means it's more contextual. If I say to you, you know what? Ah, I don't know how to make pie crust, which is actually true. I can go on the net now because it's semantic and I can type in, how do I make pie crust? And I will get actual targeted returns for exactly what I asked. I mean, it's brilliant. So for me, that translated to teaching my clients, okay, you need to have what's called an FAQ page, frequently asked questions within your niche on your website. Because if you answer the questions and you are the most relevant answers, then Google's going to put you on page one. Because all Google has ever wanted, Google, Bing, Yandex, all of them, the only thing they ever wanted to do is return the most relevant, best quality answer for every user query. And it is, quite frankly, that simple. Now, big corporations do all kinds of ads and what have you, because when you do ads in search, you're catching people at the moment that they are looking for something. And what's the best time to monetize when someone's looking for something? It's different from within a social app where the ads are more like the the gum and the candy bars that you find in the grocery store right at the checkout, it's an impulse buy. You just, you saw it, so you bought it. Or your kids started screaming because they wanted it. That's the difference, okay? When you're in search, you're there searching. I mean, that's the whole point. And if you can get them at the moment of search and they're looking for what you offer, then good Lord, you want to be number one. Because quite frankly, if you're not, your competition's taking your money. Absolutely. And then I think that along the way, right, you know, new things happen. And all of a sudden, going back to what you were saying about keywords and key phrases that people were using, people started keyword stuffing and doing all these things that they thought they could game the system, right? Like everybody does, right? They try to game the system. But I think then the big change came where we now had voice search. Right. And now we also had to be able to speak to where people were searching. And you had to speak a little bit differently because, which I don't want her to talk right now, but what we wanted to make sure is that now when you were thinking about how you were doing voice search, that you needed to be doing it in a way that people speak, not type. And that was a game changer as well. So, what are you thinking about that? Like, let's talk about that. Absolutely. And and that's, we've now jumped way ahead. And I've actually written articles, I believe even in the magazine about voice search and the possibilities. Because like you, I can't say the G word. And I know you can't say the S word. And there is also the A word. And we'll let people know what those are. I'm not swearing for a change. It's actually all of the voice assistants that are there, kind of at our beck and call, that can really be helpful. And it befits small business. 
Okay, again, hearkening back to the FAQ page. If you word those questions the way you would when you're looking for something, then those are the questions that can be turned into voice-activated search. So when you say to one of the search engines, how do I make a pie crust? You get recipes back that speak to that very thing. And that opportunity for voice, okay? I don't do anything in the kitchen without asking G to go find me the best recipe, be it avocado pudding or or whatever I'm making, because we have a nest, it's called nest, the G nest, uh, in our kitchen living room area. And it's absolutely brilliant because it really does help out. The fact is, as small business, you have the opportunity that the corporations aren't jumping on as quickly. And that's to get those FAQs in there. As many as make sense in your niche. Because seriously, when you're providing a service, like many of us do, when you can give that prospect who's looking for that service all the information they need, they're already getting to know, like, and trust you. And when they go to your website and find exactly what you provide, then they don't have to go anywhere else. And let's face it, we all have sort of limited time and attention. Nobody's looking on even page two anymore. There was an old joke that went around, where's the best place to hide a body? Page two of Google. I think that makes sense. So let's talk about the where. So if you were going to have FAQs, And you had an FAQ page. Well, that's really, really great. But if you're not going to have an FAQ page, where on your website would you like that to be? So do you do FAQs about each thing? So for example, would we do magazine FAQs on the magazine page? Would we do podcast FAQs on the podcast page or on the resource page or the connection page? Would you put the FAQs there? And does it matter to Google the where, not just the what? It's not so much the where, it's the relevance, okay? And I always say, okay, pages, there's no real premium on pages. If you have a five-page website or a six-page website, it's not that big a difference. But the fact is, if you have a dedicated FAQ page, you're telling the search engines that you know that your prospects and customers need help to understand what it is you provide. They may just need help in a specific area of what the magazine provides. So your FAQ would be broken down into magazine, podcast, whatever else you have on your website. It's all one page under that FAQ But you have the sections, and when you lay things out in a really simple and sensible way, it gives the search engines a little more oomph, if you will, in going, oh, wow, this website is not just relevant. It's not just good quality. They are the authority in this niche. And that's what you're going for. 
and making a point on your website of saying, you know, you want to cover voice, you want to have available videos and podcasts and what have you. All of those pieces are absolutely critical because I love social audio too. But the fact is, okay, there are four different types of learners. There are kinesthetic, there are visual, there are audio, and there are those that just want to read a good book. They want it in reading form. And all of those people need to be served because you don't know whether your prospect is audio or kinesthetic or visual. You don't know that up front. So why not? You also don't know, and I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs are more than one, right? Like we may have a preference, kind of like when people like text versus email, right? You know, like we all have a phone call, like what is that as well? But I know for me, as much as I love video, I only like video that's five minutes or less. I don't like to watch an hour video or a 40 minute video. If you can't say it to me in five minutes, I'd rather read it. Then I could just read it. So when I go to a podcast, right? Like when I go to a podcast page and they do an absolute, you know, transcription word for word. Oh, I could read that a whole lot easier than I can listen to it. If I have show notes, however, where they just kind of tease me and tell me what they're going to talk about and that they're going to tell me these three great tips and this and that. Well, now they're enticing me and now I want to listen. But then again, I like to read blogs to get information too about a precise thing. So I have a lot of different ways and it's all about what is the topic. For me, it always comes to time, which is going to be the fastest way for me to take in that information. And sometimes then I'll go do it another way, but I absolutely, without a doubt, find that sometimes when people take too long or they have too much time, they tend to ramble, they add in things that really weren't necessary and stuff like that. Whereas if you take it in another way, it's much more concise. So I think that a lot of times people are more than one or they have a preference for different things for different ways. And I think it's important to know that about our audience as well. Absolutely. And everybody has like all of the pieces. There is always a preference. And like you, it depends on what day it is really for me, because as much as video is the thing, uh, there are days where I just want audio. I've had Audible for over 10 years. Okay, because it just makes life a lot simpler for me as I age. My eyes are not what they once were. So being able to hear a book rather than have to read a whole book can be a little bit easier on me. I do have to say that one of my, (laughs) I don't want to go off on a rabbit hole here, but I do have to say yesterday I was looking up some information that I wanted. And I found a lot of the things that I was looking for that said, you know, here's the five blah, blah, blah in doing this. And here are the three top things. And then when I went to them, it literally was like a 45 minute video. 
And I was thinking, it's going to take you 45 minutes for me to find out those three things. And they had no transcription or nothing. I was like, well, where are you getting your SEO on that anyway? Like, because really, you know, Google's not going to listen to that video, right? You know, watch that video. So like, why are you not doing that? And so I just moved on and found another source. Yeah. So to me, that was a big misstep for them to assume that just because video is the biggest, greatest thing right now, and I'm not saying that it's not, you do need to have more than one because you shouldn't assume that that's how everybody wants to do it. Absolutely. And understanding the four different learning types means you ought to step up what you do and try and hit on at least three if you can. Best case scenario, hit on them all. The only thing is in digital, we are limited by a sense of smell. We cannot add smell in the video. It's about the only sense we can't really get a hold of. That and actual touch. Anyway, all of that to say, okay, across all the platforms, across social, across your website, video, podcasts, all of it, and social audio too, there is an underlying note of consistency that you must maintain in order to showcase you and what you do. Because there is nothing worse than going to two different social channels, looking up one company, and finding totally different information. It kind of falls under that whole, a confused mind says no. If you confuse us and we're like, well, is this the same company? It's kind of like not having the same you know, the best branded pictures across all boards and a lot of different things too. How are your profile bios? Like, how are they? What do they look like? But one of the things I really want to think about and I want to talk about is I always feel like it's super important to kind of talk about not necessarily always what not to do, but really I believe in every single industry, there are myths. There are these myths that people believe like, and they are so absolutely will not, nothing you say is going to deter them from believing that, whether it's true or not, right? That is just their belief. So one of the things I love to do on the show is to really ask our guests, what is a myth in search and social that is a myth that really is stopping people that, you know, I'm going to give you the opportunity to debunk that myth right now. What is the biggest myth or belief that you believe that people have that is absolutely just not true? I'd have to say it has to do with pay-per-click and ads. People believe, you know, there's no way you can get on page one if you don't do ads, if you don't have pay-per-click. <laughs> and pay, pay for it, exactly. But the fact is, okay, the underlying intention of SEO from the get-go has not changed. How we approach it may have changed, but if you just stay true to relevance, quality, and authority, and you make an effort to integrate everything you do, then you will get on page one. And I know that, and I know that you can check on that, because just go look at the corner of search and social. Use the at symbol, if you like, at the corner of search and social. 
That is what I have been telling people for over 10 years. And in fact, if you look that up in search, I come up, my company comes up because it's what's relevant to us. And the fact is, if you're going to pride yourself, in my case, on integration, well, then I better be integrated. And I have to tell you a quick story. A number of years ago, the CEO, who I happen to be married to, he called me out of my office and he said, why can't I find us at the corner of search and social? And I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, isn't that our tagline at the corner of search and social? And I said, yeah. He goes, so when I put that in search, I don't find us. And it was this, oh my God, light bulb moment, duh. I thought, oh, here I've gone out of my way to go after good keyword phrases, and you can find us for all these things. And the one thing that can truly be called mine, notice I said truly, (laughs) my company's true, the one thing was at the corner of search and social, because I have believed since the get-go that there's no separation. You have to put everything from the website all the way down to your social audio and everything in between must link together. Think of it like a quilt, okay? If you just have little squares that are not put together, that's not a quilt. It's just a bunch of little squares. And up until just a few years ago, people would hire a website person and then they'd hire somebody in marketing and they'd hire somebody else for social and they'd hire somebody else for video, and none of those people talk to each other. So how could you possibly have integration? And more and more in the past couple of years, people are realizing, ah, it's about being that one thing, that one person. And an example I'd love to give the audience, okay, it can be very hard. If you're Jane Smith or Joe Brown, It can be really hard to get your name as your handle. When you go to any social app, you want to try and have the same handle so it makes it easy for your prospects and your customers to find you. Okay, we're Truel Social everywhere. We're Truel Social places that no longer exist. Okay, we always use Truel Social. And we're lucky because there's not too many that are called Truel. But for the Jane Smith and the the John Doe and the Joe Browns, I'm going to give you a really good tip. You want to use your name. And in the case of like Twitter, it's under 14 characters. You can simply add the article the right in front of your name. The is an article that the search engines don't take into account. And in fact, you can actually beat out people that don't have the. You see, on Facebook, I never bothered to do anything with Facebook. So I was probably the 25th Elaine Lindsay that was on there. So of course, putting on my thinking cap for optimization, instead of taking the vanity URL something else, Elaine M. Lindsay or or whatever, I just took the. So I am the Elaine Lindsay. People can look it up. And I have given this tip to all of my customers because 
it's really critical in places like LinkedIn, that is a search engine, you want to be able to be found in Clubhouse, which is just social audio for people to be able to find you. You need to have a handle that is the same as what you have everywhere else. When you start mixing up your handles and your name and your website and all of these different things, it makes it almost impossible for people to find you. And people will look for you once, maybe twice, third time, they're out of there. They'll go for someone else because it was just too much trouble. I find that to be true. And I know for me, I remember back in the day when we all stayed up to midnight because Facebook was going to let us have those vanity names. And I stayed up. And at that time, my show was called The Networking CEO. And so I was so excited that I nailed that name. And why I didn't pick my name, I don't know. (laughs) And now, of course, there's a million other patty farmers. And so I didn't get to do that, right? And it's under an old show that I don't even have, although I am referred to a lot as the networking CEO. I was like, wow, but I didn't worry about it too much because that was like my personal page. I made sure I nailed it on my business page. And just like you, there were people who had Patty Farmer and I didn't do the the though because I didn't know it at the time. All of mine, I just added my name and then behind my name, all of mine say CEO because I'm the CEO. So it's Patty Farmer CEO. And that really lets people know that, oh, that's business, right? You know, and Patty Farmer is personal. Now that's how I chose to do it because I didn't know about the, the, but I could see how that would make sense too. Well, the other thing about that is this, and, and because you're differentiating you, the personal from business, that makes sense. But in fact, okay, people do business with people, not business. So your personal name I tell people this all the time, hiding behind your company doesn't help you. And as a small business, you need to be seen as a person. So getting yourself into that mix is absolutely critical. And I've seen a lot of people, even on LinkedIn, will use their name and then they add 50 million numbers and letters after In it. Their headline? Sorry. In their headline or as their handle? As their name, their actual name. And LinkedIn, this is a tip aside, but LinkedIn, like some other places, has policies and procedures. And the only thing that should be in your name is your name. And there are people out there, big, big names, who will not connect with people that have additional pieces in their name. Because and I think people do it. People do it on Twitter too. Even you have yeah. like all this kind of cool stuff, but it's not in your handle though. No. It's just in the other stuff, which I think is really, I think that is really interesting. We could probably have a whole show on that, but I really do want to switch over to Clubhouse before we run out of time. Well, that's the perfect thing you just said there because, okay, that so tracks where we're going. One of the biggest things that's of the most import in Clubhouse for you to get known is using emojis. There are so many emojis in people's bios because it does make you stand out. And Clubhouse gives you a huge amount of room for a bio. You could probably write a novella in there. Okay, there's lots you can add. 
But what I want to tell people, one of the most important things you can do in Clubhouse before you do anything else, the first three lines in your bio, that's your money shot. That's how you get people to connect with you. That's how you tell people who you are and what you do and what matters to you. So in other words, this isn't where you want to put all your, I like to say people like to put all their titles, I'm a this, I'm a this, I'm a this, I'm a that. This is really where you want to say who you are and what you do in words that people will really relate to. Yeah, you really want it to resonate. Give us an example. Well, for an example, personally, people who know me know I can be a bit of, uh, let's say, a goof. And I have a very upbeat attitude, always have had. So the first line on mine basically says, and I'll apologize now for swearing, but the first line on mine says, in a room full of horse crap, I'm going to start digging because there's a pony in there somewhere. Oh, I love that. That's been my line since I was a kid. Okay. The addition to that is for me at the corner of search and social, because that's where you'll find me. Oh, see, I love that. I think that's really good. So now let's like go full on in to Clubhouse. So we talked about how Clubhouse is a social audio app, but it's really being talked about as, you know, this is the thing, right? You know, how you can have clubs and moderators and how you can speak there and how people have gotten into rooms that have five people. And then all of a sudden there's hundreds of people and all of these different things. Let's kind of break it down first so people understand it. And then why should they be there? Okay. So two things. There is a caveat. You must be an Apple user. If you don't have an iPhone, but you have an iPad, you can also get into Clubhouse. It is still in beta. So you require an invitation. Okay, lots of people have invitations, so that's not a problem. I will say something that's really interesting that people have to understand. Back in January, February, Clubhouse was valued at $1 billion. Okay, it's been around since 2019. And in essence, the best thing that ever happened to Clubhouse was the pandemic. People are basically being static. You know, up here in Canada, we are under a stay-at-home order now till mid-May, okay? It was just extended again for a few more weeks. People are captives in their own homes. What can you do that takes no effort, that you don't have to put on makeup or get dressed up? My heavens, you could do it in the buff. You can get on social audio And listen to experts give you amazing tips. You can get on a stage and tell your story. You can open your own room and invite people to come in and share your expertise. All of those pieces I want to break down because it can be overwhelming. And as of, I think it was last weekend, or it might have been the week before, It is now valued at $4 billion, and it has not opened to Android yet, which, when you think of it, is quite a feat. There are 
a few issues for people. So if you understand the culture, you're going to make your way better when you first come into the app. It can be totally overwhelming to, as you say, rooms can be one moderator and 20 people or three moderators and 15 people, but they can also be 40 moderators and 700 people. There were thousands in one room. Elon Musk has done rooms. Steve Olsher, who is Podcast Magazine, has a lot of clubs under Club Pod, and people open rooms under a club. There's also women in business. Women is spelt with an X in there. And the reason I talk about those big clubs is because if you open a room under one of the big clubs, you have access to their members, which means you're more likely to get more people in your room. But let's go back to the beginning on this. So what it is, remember, you're just getting to listen. And that means one person is talking in a room, hopefully, and it takes turns. The moderators are there to try and keep people on track. The first week you're in Clubhouse, there's a little party thing that's on your little profile pic that lets people know you're a newbie, which quite often rooms will allow newbies to come up on stage. How do you get on stage? Down in the right-hand corner, when you get into a room, there's a little hand. And when you click that hand, it raises your hand so the moderators and those on stage can see that you want to speak. There is, it's split into three sections. So at the very top, you will have the section of the people that are speaking. Below that are people that the speakers follow. And below that is the audience. It's a little bit confusing for people because if you have an iPad, you have nine or 12 little circles, those profile pictures that you can see, probably a lot less on a phone. And if someone's talking and there's 30 moderators in the room, you've got to start scrolling up and down to find out who's actually speaking. What you do when someone's speaking or when you get into a room, you click on the profile pictures and it will take you to that person's bio. When you scroll down, it'll show you the full bio, and you have a couple of options. You can follow them in Clubhouse. You can follow them on Instagram, and you can follow them on Twitter. Those are the only two hot links you will find in Clubhouse. The other kind of odd thing is if you want to send someone a message, if somebody's talking and it really resonates with you and you want to say something, but you're not ready to speak on stage or they've closed the ability to click that hand, you're going to have to send them a direct message via Instagram or Twitter because you cannot do it in Clubhouse. Now, there's no two-way anything, which I think for some of the bigger names that are in there, it's a good thing. I was in a room the other day with Paris Hilton and a bunch of other people that were just basically shooting the breeze. It was kind of interesting. Uh, there are rooms for everything. You have cryptocurrency, you have meditation, 
And you have something that seems to really confuse some people. They're called silent rooms. You go into the room and you just click on people so you can see their bios. For me, who is incredibly inquisitive and incredibly tactile and auditory, they make me crazy. I don't want to be in a silent room. I want to hear someone saying something or I want to talk. Now, I have been lucky enough to be called to the stage in quite a number of rooms, and it seems to develop, the AI itself develops a little bit of a a ticker so it knows if you're actually participating. It's important for you to become a moderator once you start going into rooms and speaking, because that will allow you to open your own club, not just a room. I have been asked several times now to speak with other moderators in Clubhouse, and I really love it. But one of the things that they haven't got really good at yet, or at least in my experience, is for even the moderators themselves to not talk over each other. And that drives me bananas. Like It drives me bananas. And when somebody asks somebody to come to the stage, Not everybody knows how to have them go back or they'll ask somebody something and they'll allow them to talk and then they don't stop talking and they're not even the moderator. And so that will usually drive me crazy too. So I want to make sure you can show people how to get out of a room too, how to leave quietly because there's a way to be able to leave quietly. So you just have to realize too that this is relatively new. As far as people coming in and not everybody has all the rules down. So think about when Facebook and some of the other ones first happened, all the things that people did wrong before they really knew and stuff. And so that is pretty much why we're having this conversation really is because I want people to really understand how you don't want to make yourself look bad because you just don't know, right? You know, so what are some of those things? Well, that's perfect. That's where I wanted to go because, uh, yeah. Try to start out in rooms that have less moderators and less people so that you can get a chance to get on the stage. Even when you're in the audience, on the left-hand side at the bottom, there's a little rectangly, ovally thing that says leave quietly. If you just swipe that left, it will take you out of the room. Because if you just close Clubhouse and you don't leave, Whatever room you were in will continue while you're wherever. And that can be distracting as well. One thing that's, I don't know if it was originally a glitch or they weren't sure how to handle this, but when you do raise your hand and you want to speak, if you're brought up to the stage, it pops up at the top and says, you've been asked to be a speaker. Join as a speaker or dismiss. When you join as a speaker, You have to very quickly go down to the right-hand side where your microphone shows and turn it off. It is the oddest thing, but you are immediately hot on the mic. And that can be very distracting when people come in, if they're in their car or they're outside and there's wind. You don't want to look like a noob and pop in and leave your mic open. So you have to be told to close it. So pop in, close that mic. The minute you're invited to be a speaker, you'll see that the line goes off it as soon as you're on stage. You will not see 
the mic until you're called to the stage. That'll be the hand before you get up to the stage and after it becomes the mic. What I'm going to suggest, and finally, a few rooms started doing this, and it's brilliant. When you come up to speak, whether you're a moderator, whether you started the room, whether you just from the audience, I want you to say your name, say your piece, whether you're asking a question, giving kudos, or or whatever you have to say, finish with your name, and I am done speaking. Because that lets everybody else know that somebody can go next. Just like video, I have to tell you the most frustrating thing for me, because I've been doing video for over 10 years now. When people come in here, Facebook Live, wherever, can you hear me? Is my mic on? (laughs) That's the first thing they say. And they usually say it two to three times. You know what? If your mic's not on, someone will tell you. So when you come in, start with your name. Give them what you want to say. End with your name and tell them you're done speaking. Trust me, if no one can hear you, someone in the moderators will let you know right away. But it makes you look much more professional. It makes you look like you really know what you're doing. And when you have the To me, it's just good manners to give your name, beginning and end, and say that you're done speaking because then the next person, instead of waiting and then having, like you say, a bunch of moderators talk over each other or somebody else in the room. The other thing that you'll see that can be frustrating for the people that are there and difficult for the moderators is when people jump the queue. So when you're brought into a room, the people that are on the stage, uh, you're in a very specific queue, okay? If you come in next to last, you'll be at the bottom and they, they go basically across a row and across and down. So you wait your turn. There are people who will come in and are so desperate to speak. They may be at the bottom of the fifth row, but every time someone takes a breath or stops a sentence, they're making their mic hot and saying something. Oh, I just want to say, I just want to say, please don't do that. For one, it's rude for the other people that are getting a chance to speak. It's rude for the moderators. And in the end, it makes it an unpleasant experience for everyone in the room. I love that. Thank you so much. I mean, you really shared with us some to-dos and not-to-dos, how to get started. And even if you've been in Clubhouse, what a few things that could make your experience a little bit better. So I'm going to say that for me, my name in my handle in Clubhouse is at Patty Farmer. And your Clubhouse handle is? At Truel Social. Like everything else. So that's really good. Yeah. So Elaine, how can people connect with you? I know they're going to want to connect with you. How can they connect with you? It's really simple. You can go to truelsocial.com. And let's spell that for them so that they really understand. It's T-R-O-O again, L social.com. Perfect. And we will have a link below. So if you're listening, you could just look below and there is a link there where you can connect with her to everything. She also has an amazing show that I have 
been a guest on the BBP TV, which stands for Business Banter Plus TV show. We'll have a link for that too, because you're going to want to check that out. And if you thought she's a great guest, she's an even better host. So you're going to want to check that out as well. So I love that. So this is the portion of the show, my version of social karaoke, where we actually ask our guests to share their number one marketing media or money strategy. You know, this is the marketing media money show after all. So Elaine, what is your number one strategy that you would like to share? As if you didn't already give us so much. (laughs) My number one strategy is making a point to take everything you do and put your stamp on it. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean everything from your images to your podcast to your PDFs need to have either your name, your company's name, and one keyword phrase. Because trust me, when you go looking on the internet, when somebody else is looking, it makes a lot more sense when they keep finding you when they type in your name. And that's the single thing that can change how you show up in search everywhere. I'm going to give you one more tip, and this is strategic, but this is so that you're checking on what you do. Please use incognito search when you are searching for yourself and your website. And please, every quarter of the year, you need to search for yourself and your company. You need to know what's out there. It's absolutely critical. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Elaine. I appreciate you so much coming and spending some time with us again. I love having you as a guest on our show over and over again, because every single time you show up, you share your brilliance so generously, and I appreciate you so much. Thank you ever so much, Patty. That is an absolute two-way street. You have been a multi-time guest on BBP TV because you are just the best. Marketing whiz, magazine whiz, podcast whiz, Absolutely love everything you do. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. And thank you to our sponsor, the Exacta Corporation, developer of the Family Organizer Plus platform. And for more information, check them out at exactacorp.com. And if you would like a simple answer to the question, where should I focus my time and energy to attract highly qualified ideal clients? Take the marketing media money assessment and in three minutes or less, You'll know where you're excelling, where you can make a few changes, and what steps to take to achieve massive results. Go to www.m3bizquiz.com. And thank you so much for joining us on the Marketing Media Money Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, and I am sure you did, please subscribe and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Thank you again, Elaine. I really appreciate it. To the audience out there, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Make it a phenomenal day. Thank you for joining us today on the Marketing, Media, and Money Podcast. To shorten your learning curve even more, make sure to grab your free copy of the Marketing, Media, and Money magazine at www.marketingmediamoney.com. I promise your business will thank you.